0: This morning will be a little different. I want to tell you there are no slides and uh, there are no sermon notes. That's because the message got written yesterday. And, uh, and we've been walking through some stuff at the church. I've got a couple big announcements to make um, that are really tough announcements, if I'm, if I'm being honest. I've got a couple tough things to share with you uh, this morning, announcements from our, our deacon body. Um, but before I do, I want to start here uh, with this. Because this is what we're going to do first. Because I feel like that's probably pretty important. It came eight years ago said, we're going to do our very best to base everything that we do off the Word of God. That means the easy stuff, means the hard stuff, right? And, and that's, that's what we believe. And I, I want to tell you, the more and more I study this book, the more and more I fall in love with the God that wrote it. Because he uh, doesn't avoid difficult situations. He, he, he puts the great stuff out there, but he also puts the hard stuff out there. And, uh, and I, I believe God does that because that's part of his sovereign plan. He says, listen, I, I, I want you to understand that this is life and that I know you and I made you and I formed you. And, and I want you to walk through this life with me, guiding you. And uh, so this morning, I, I want to talk to you about one of those difficult places. And, and, and my prayer is that as we walk through the scripture, um, that we would all have a better understanding of the God of difficult places. Okay? All right, would you guys join me in a word of prayer? Father... Thank you for loving us, and thank you for your word, and we declare today that your word is good, and we declare today that your word is right, and we declare today that your word is needed in our lives, that it needs to be applied. God, we declare today that we are not finished with this process of sanctification, that we have not been made perfect, and that we all fall short of your glory still. And that we need you. God, we declare today that we are thankful for the Holy Spirit that you have given us. For the Holy Spirit that you have sent to come and to live inside of our chest. Who is our teacher. He is our guide. He lifts up Jesus in our lives. He preaches the gospel to our hearts. And Holy Spirit, we come before you now just saying that we need you to come and guide us through the difficult places we find ourselves in. And so we're going to invite you to come and just do that. And would you lay open before us the word of God and all of its truth and all that it says, and would you guide our hearts? God, maybe we came in this morning and we've got stuff going on in our lives. Maybe we've come in this morning and we've got preconceived notions. Maybe we've come in this morning and we walked in with a bunch of guilt I don't know, we all come from different places, but Father, your word is living and it is active and it is sharper than a double-edged sword and it has the ability to cut through all of this mess. And so that's our prayer today. Holy Spirit, would you cut through every area that you need to that your word might be magnified, that Jesus Christ might be lifted up and that as he is lifted up, that he will draw all of us who still declare that we are in this process of sanctification, that still declare that we are in need, will be drawn closer to him, will be changed and transformed by him. In Jesus' name, we pray these things. Amen. Amen. So if you have your Bibles, uh, and if you didn't bring one, it's okay. There's one in the pew rack in front of you. I'm going to be in Acts chapter 15. And so we're going to begin in Acts 15, then we're going to skip back to Acts chapter 4, then we're going to go to Acts chapter 9, then we're going to hit Acts chapter 11, then we'll end up in Acts 13 and back to Acts 15. Does that make sense? We're going to walk through a good chunk of the book of Acts. That's what we're going to do this morning. I don't have any slides on the screen. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm reading out of the CSB version of the Bible that's different than what's in your pew. You guys have the NIV. Uh, that was my, you remember, that was my favorite preaching Bible that died on me, uh, through the story. I've preached with it for for 16 years, and it's fallen apart. It's been rebound twice, and I just couldn't use it, and I didn't like the new version of the NIV that came out. So uh, this one reads like the NIV a lot in places. It's it's word for word. In some places, it's not. That's okay. Just read in your text while I read in my text, and we're all going to end up taking in the Word of God together, okay? It's going to be good. So I'm in Acts chapter 15, starting in verse 36. It's towards the end of the chapter. Acts chapter 15, starting in verse 36. And word of God says, After some time had passed, Paul said to Barnabas, Let's go back and visit the brothers and sisters in every town where we have preached the word of the Lord and see how they're doing. Now, this is after their first missionary journey, and we're going to get into that in a second, but they had uh, gone on quite an adventure. And that adventure, as I'll tell you in a moment, is, is listed in Acts chapter 13 and Acts chapter 14. If you want to see all the things that God had done uh, during that trip, it's, it's really amazing how many churches were founded, how many new brothers and sisters there were. Um, but so this is post that. Um, it's actually post- uh, also a, a meeting called the Jerusalem Council, um, where they work through some difficulties about this gospel and, and what it looked like to have Gentile brothers and Jewish brothers who were all Christian and how we lived in unity, uh, those kind of things. So it's after all that. And so, so Paul says to Barnabas, man, let's do it again. Let's do it again. Ever said that to the Lord? Lord, just do it again, Lord. Do it again. I just, you know, we, 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 want, we want that experience again. And so Paul looks at his brother Barnabas, and he says, man, we should go and do that again. And, and, and that's kind of weird. So let's, let's do it again. Let's, let's go back every town where we've preached the word of the Lord and let's see how they're doing. And that's a pretty impressive statement by Paul. By the, by, by the way, if you remember, on the first trip, he, he, he almost died on more than one occasion. Uh, at, at one point, he's outside of, of Lystra, and he, in, in Derby, he gets stoned, to, they thought, to death. And they dragged his lifeless body out of the city, and they left him with the trash, right? And, and so, I just want you, because this just astounds me a little bit. And Paul says, yeah, let's do it again. Whoo, doggies. Isn't that, 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 is, that is so unnatural for us. But I just, I just want you to see the guy they were talking about. And, and so Paul says, man, let's do it again. Let's do it again. Now, verse 37, Barnabas says, okay, let's do it again. Barnabas wanted to take along John Mark. That's, he, he, John Mark went with him on the first trip. He says, but Paul insisted that they should not take along this man who had deserted them and Pamphylia and had not gone on with them to the work. They had such a sharp disagreement that they parted company And Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed off to Cyprus. But Paul chose Silas and departed after being commended by the brothers and sisters to the grace of the Lord. He traveled through Syria, uh, Cilicia, strengthening the churches. Strengthening the churches. Now before I get to that text, I want to tell you why the text is special. We're going to really get in the text. Here's why this text is special, because it's here in the Bible. That's what makes it special. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All Scripture is God-breathed, and it's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, is the inspired word of God. And I I find it amazing, because here's why this is special. God, in his inspired word, chose to include this account where two of his best men disagreed to the point that they separated. I don't know about you, but if I was trying to write a story and look good, I wouldn't include that detail, would you? All right. I, I, wouldn't. I, mean, I mean, at, 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 you know, at the end of, of your life, when you're kind of writing out how things went, if, if you had lots of struggles in your marriage, that, you may not want to include that in your eulogy. I'm just saying. Man, my, my wife is gone, and boy, let me tell you what a work she was. I mean, we battled. She had to have this. I mean, you just, you just don't do that. Right? It's just not what we do. We talk about all the good. We talk about the highlights for the most part. But God, God doesn't do that. He doesn't ignore it. He just says, man, listen, this, this happened. And, and, and some might read it and go, man, that's really a, a blip on the radar. That, that's difficult, at that Paul or Barnabas. But, but God says, hey, it's here. It's very much like, why, why do you think when we read the account of Jesus' resurrection, why would Luke choose to include that the women were the first ones at the tomb? You know, in, in biblical times, women were not considered witnesses. They, they couldn't witness in the court. They weren't, they weren't considered reliable witnesses. Why would God include a detail that the first people to see his risen son, whom he said, all of my word hinges upon the resurrection of my son. Why would God then include that the first people to see his resurrected son, which is proof that his whole word is true, is people that the world would say are unreliable witnesses? Why? thought a lot about that this week. You know why? Because God doesn't care. God doesn't care what what, what the world might say. God cares about the truth. He says, here's what happened. And and, and this this is the way it is. And it's okay. And I'm good. And I'm in control. And I'm I'm sovereign. I'm I'm, I'm over all of this. Same here in this text. This really happened to two of God's men who really loved him and really loved the church and really served together. This really happened. And, And God... Doesn't overlook it. He doesn't try to hide it. Instead, he shows us how he works through it. So that's what we're going to do. We're just going to walk through this text today. I've got three things that I want to share with you this morning. And uh, if if you're taking notes, that's fine. You can jot them down anywhere on your bulletin. I'll I'll repeat myself since there are no slides for you. Um, I know you guys usually I only give you two words to fill in, and it's a little easier. I'm going to give you whole sentences, and I don't even have you can't even look at them. So I, I know it's difficult. So I'll go slow. Uh, But three things I want to share with you. Here's the first, excuse me. Number one, Paul and Barnabas were both men of God. Paul and Barnabas were both men of God who were loved by the church, okay? They're both men of God who were loved by the church and who served the church faithfully. Paul and Barnabas were both men of God who were loved by the church And they served the church faithfully. Now guys, we meet Barnabas. Anybody need me to repeat that one more time? You good? Okay. We meet Barnabas back in Acts chapter 4. And so I want you to turn back with me some in in your copy of God's Word. Acts chapter 4. And uh, starting in verse 32. It's right there before chapter 5 begins. And this is what the Word of the Lord says in Acts chapter 4, starting in verse 32. It says, now the entire group of those who believed were in one heart and mind. And no one claimed that any of his possessions was his own, but instead they held everything in common. With great power, the apostles were giving testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was on all of them. For there was not a needy person among them, because all those who owned lands or houses sold them, brought the proceeds of what was sold, and laid them at the apostles' feet. This was then distributed to each person as any had need." Verse 36, Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus by birth, the one the apostles called Barnabas. So the guy you have always called Barnabas, his name is Joe. I'm just saying. I'm trying to wreck your, wreck your world, okay? And you can call him his nickname for you can be Joe. That's fine. But, but Joe was then renamed Barnabas, and they gave him a new spiritual name. It's called Barnabas, which is translated son of encouragement. He sold a field that he owned, and he brought the money, and he laid it, at the apostles' feet. That's the first time we meet this guy named Barnabas. And, and he becomes evidently, he's so important in the early church, uh, he, they, they give him a new name, and he, this guy is just an encouragement to the church. He's willing to sell all that he has, he's willing to, 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 to give in to this, this great new thing that God is doing. Now the next time that we, we bump in, uh, to, to Barnabas, or the next time that I, I want to bring attention to it, is in Acts chapter 9, if you want to flip over there. Acts chapter 9, starting in verse 26. And, and uh, we, we meet Barnabas again as he's receiving uh, Paul, okay? So, so in, A- in Acts chapter 9... Saul is on the way to Damascus to persecute the Christians. Uh, Jesus appears to him in a brilliant light, blinds him, right? He has to be taken into the city. Uh, God says, a man's going to come and pray for you. He speaks to his his prophet Ananias. He says, Ananias, you've got to go and lay hands on on this guy named Saul. Ananias is like, wait a second, that dude's killing people. He's like, no, it's cool, go. God goes and he lays his hands on him. The scales are removed. He can see uh, through this whole thing. Jesus has been speaking to Saul's heart. Saul becomes a believer. He's baptized. We now call him Paul. Okay, There's, that's a backstory. So after that, uh, Paul wants in. He, just, he gets up, baptized, believing in Jesus, and just starts, starts preaching Jesus. And, and he's like, man, this is awesome. And so he wants to get in on everything that's going on. And so he's going he's gonna to go to Jerusalem where it all begins. And he wants to get in and meet the disciples that are now called apostles. And, and he wants to be involved. And he wants to do ministry with them. And they're noticeably a little freaked out, right? And this is the guy that headed up all the persecution of the church. You wouldn't just jump in with this guy. Oh, yeah, yeah, man, come on, sure. I mean, I was trying to think it would, it would be like, like if you were Jewish, right? And, and, and somebody that had, had worked for Hitler repented of all that and said, I no longer belong to the SS. And, and, and he crosses over to where you are in Poland in hiding and says, man, I'm so sorry. I just want to do life with you guys. Will you accept me? <laughs> she says, No. No. So I, I, I'm just trying to put skin on it for you, right? And so you understand the, the apprehension of the apostles to just open arm, go, Oh, yeah, Saul, come on in, man. Woohoo. Here's where we like to hide out. Here's, here's the house where me and my children are living. So, so there's a little bit of, of, of stuff going on here, there's a little bit of backstory. Verse 26 of Acts chapter. 9. It says, When he arrived in Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him, since they did not believe that he was a disciple. Barnabas, however, took him in and brought him to the apostles and explained to them how Saul had seen the Lord on the road and that the Lord had talked to him, and how in Damascus he had spoken boldly in the name of Jesus. Saul was coming and going with them in Jerusalem, speaking boldly in the name of the Lord. He conversed and debated with the Hellenistic Jews, but they tried to kill him. When the brothers found out, they took him down to Caesarea and sent him off to Tarsus. Then we find this. Now I'm in Acts chapter 11, starting in verse 19. Acts chapter 11, starting in verse 19. It says, Now those who had been scattered as a result of the persecution that started because of Stephen had made their way as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, speaking the word to no one except Jews. But there were some of them, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, who came to Antioch and began finally speaking to the Greeks, also proclaiming the good news about the Lord Jesus. The Lord's hand was with them and a large number who believed turned to the Lord. News about them reached the church in Jerusalem and they sent out Barnabas to travel as far as Antioch. When he arrived and he saw the grace of God, he was glad and he encouraged all of them to remain true to the Lord with devoted hearts. For he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith, and large numbers of people were added to the Lord. Then he went to Tarsus to search for Saul." And when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. For a whole year they met with the church, and they taught large numbers of the disciples. uh, Large numbers. The disciples were first called Christians at Antioch. So the work of Paul and Barnabas begins in Antioch. And and so Barnabas goes there, a new work of God. He says, I know just the man for this work. He had heard Saul's story of conversion, that God had called him to be a light to the Gentiles. And Barnabas says, well, by golly, Come and speak to some of these Gentiles. And they they do life together for a whole year teaching the church. And it's here, this is the very first place, that followers of Jesus are now called Christians. That's pretty cool, okay? Now, we're on to Acts chapter 13. Acts chapter 13, starting in verse 1. Now the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Menaean a close friend of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. As they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then, after they had fasted and prayed and laid hands on them, they sent them off. And in Acts chapter 13, the very first intentional missionaries sent to reach the ends of the earth, as Jesus had said in Acts 1.8, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you'll receive power to be my witnesses, and Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. This is the first time we tiptoe into that intentionally trying to go reach the nations. That happens in Acts chapter 13, with the first missionary journey of Paul and Barnabas. Okay. All right and, and man, great things happened with that journey. You can read about all those great things again in Acts chapter 13 and Acts chapter 14. Boy, was it fruitful? So sum this up. These men loved God, they loved the church, the church loved and appreciated them, they loved one another, and they faithfully served side by side, doing tough ministry for four years. OK? That's a rough estimate. If you go look up a Bible timeline, that's about, that's about what it looked like, OK? All right so. Uh, that's where they weren't. But, we know there were some issues, Jerusalem Council, some things with Peter, that they didn't always see eye to eye. And that brings me to the second point, okay? <coughs> Excuse me. Paul and Barnabas had a sharp disagreement, and for the sake of the mission of the church, they separated. That's the that's that's hard part of the text, right? Paul and Barnabas had a sharp disagreement, and for the sake of the mission of the church, they separated. I'm back now in Acts chapter 15. I'm just going to reread what we read a second ago, starting in verse 36. It says, after some time had passed, Paul said to Barnabas, let's go back and visit the brothers and sisters in every town where we have preached the word of the Lord and see how they're doing. Barnabas wanted to take along John Mark, but Paul insisted that they should not take along this man who had deserted them in Pamphylia and had, gone on, uh, with, and had not gone on with them to the work. They had such a sharp disagreement that they parted company, and Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed off to Cyprus. Paul chose Silas and departed after being commended by the brothers and sisters to the grace of the Lord. He traveled through Syria, uh, Cilicia, and strengthening the churches. And then when we get to chapter 16, he picks up another young man named Timothy. That'll, wow. uh, that'll come into play later. So Paul says, let's go back. I want to see how everyone is doing. Barnabas says, that's great. Let me call John Mark. Right? Because John Mark went with us first time. I'm going to call, I'm gonna call my, my, my cousin, John Mark, and we're going to take him. We're going to set off again. Paul says, no. He's like, no, that's, that's not going to happen. And, 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 and they, they, they disagree so sharply. Actually, in, in the Greek, it's the same word repeated twice, which means it's, a, it, it, it's like sharp, sharp. That, that's, that's all, they didn't have exclamation points. So they're just like, it is a disagreement, disagreement. I mean, this is like a, a, a it, was, it, was, it was big, it was, it was a big deal. And here's the crazy thing. It was a big deal, but it wasn't a doctrinal deal. It was a big deal about a judgment call. It's just a judgment call, right? I mean, I mean, I mean you know, Barnabas is like, hey, we got to take John Mark. And Paul's like, nope, that ain't happening. Just, just not going to do it. I'm just, just not going to take John Mark. And so I want you to understand that, that this is a judgment call about John Mark. And that is what causes the, the, the split. That's, that's why the guys go separate ways. Some things I want to highlight that the text does not say. Okay? And this is important because I believe in the Word of God would have said these things. Okay? This is not a doctrinal issue. that caused their split. They they, they weren't arguing about the gospel. These men proclaimed the same thing. You know the gospel? God loves you so much that he sent his one and only son to die on a cross for your sins, that that he was murdered for your sake, that he was buried on the third day, that he rose again, and he appeared to all of us for a period of 40 days. He showed himself and and worked miraculous miracles, so many so, that you could go find anybody and ask, and just about everybody in this region will tell you that Jesus was alive again. Then he ascended into heaven before our very eyes, and and he told us that we are now to go and make disciples of the whole earth. Like, they never disagreed about the gospel. Not one time, that's important. I want you to understand, according to the text, this isn't a sin issue. It's not a sin issue. In fact, if, 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 we, if we wanted uh, to play, Christians like to play um, Bible warfare. We like to launch holy hand grenades and place blame. Um, but but it, just, it happens. Both these guys probably could have made a biblical case for the reasoning. Paul wrote several letters to Timothy and he would talk about the importance of faithfulness and trust and uh, Barnabas, of course. I mean, it's all about second chances. Those are both biblical principles, right? But, but again, that's not in the text. There's, there's no placing of blame in the text. This isn't a, a doctrinal issue. It's not a, it's not a sin issue. According uh, to the text, this isn't a matter of, of unforgiveness. That, that, by the way, that would make it a sin issue. It's a matter of unforgiveness. That no, nothing's there. It, it, it doesn't say, and, and Paul was so mad at Barnabas that he couldn't... Like, I mean, it's just, it's just not in the text. It's, it's, it's not there. The Bible never assigns blame. I'd go further. I want you to understand that nowhere in the Bible does it attribute this to the work of the devil. It's not in there. Nowhere is this attributed to the work of the devil. In fact, in the context of scripture, it actually seems to point rather to the sovereignty of God's hand in all of it and the fact that God knows what he's asked us to do. God says, I know you. Man, I made you and I made you in my image and I gave you personalities and then I gave you a mission that was bigger than you where you'd have to rely on me and in this mission, there are going to be times that you guys just don't work well together <laughs> and, and, and you know what? I'm going to use that. I'm going to use it. I'm going to use it for good when you're rubbing together, and I'm going to use it for good when you separate. God's just like, like, I'm over this. I'm God. If there's one thing we learned in the story, man, God is always up in his upper story working for good, the things that we don't fully grasp and understand. And so I want you to understand, according to the text, this isn't attributed to the work of the devil. The last thing I would say is the text never says, never says that this was some kind of failure on these men's part. I looked for it. I, I, I wanted it. It, it, just, it. it doesn't say that it was a failure on, on these men's part, and it doesn't say it was a failure on the part of the church. I just think it's important that we notice those things today. Lastly, third point. God uses the separation for good. That's what happened. God uses the separation for good. The gospel did not stop being preached. The church did not crumble. In fact, it got stronger. Some would argue it, it, it doubled. Its mission was multiplied. Paul is going to take Silas. they're going to go down to Derby and to Lystra, and there they're going to meet Timothy. Guess what? Silas and Timothy are going to be co-authors of First and Second Thessalonians. It's wow. Timothy is gonna pastor the church in Ephesus at one point. Lord's gonna use these young men. John Mark, of course, talk about Barnabas, Barnabas's role. John Mark, of course, we believe to be the writer of of the first gospel, which is Mark. I know your, your Bible says Matthew. It's just They placed it in that order. Right? But, 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 but Mark is the least original of all the gospels. I know that freaks people out when I say that. Uh, the least original means it's the oldest, okay? It means it was written first, and it means that the other synoptics, that Luke and Matthew, they drew from the gospel that, that John Mark had already had already put together. I said, oh man, John Mark, thanks for putting this together, man. I'm glad you remember those things. And as they read through it, they remembered their own stories uh, because the Holy Spirit you know, inspired them. And they jotted down all the other details. So they had their own gospel accounts, largely based on the one that John Mark wrote for us. And we say, wow, God, look at you working. Look at you working. And the kingdom of God expanded, and the gates of hell did not stand against it. So I want to shift gears and talk about why all this is not just theological and why it is practical. So I said that I had two really tough announcements to share with you. And uh, so here it is. Here's the first. This text is where we believe that we are as a church. Um, when I say we, I'm referring to myself, um, Alan, along with our deacon um, body, and uh, who just met Monday night. Uh, they had a meeting with, without either of us there. Uh, we've spent much of the last month trying to understand and determine how we got here, where we are, how to move forward. And uh, I would say this, Alan and I, on a much lesser scale than Paul and Barnabas, have spent the last seven years um, loving you guys and pouring ourselves out, doing, doing really good, I think, good ministry here with, with you guys and um, trying to build this church. We, um, like Paul and Barnabas, have never, ever disagreed on the gospel. Never. Never. Uh, in fact, I, I, would, I would tell you that, that uh, I think we probably, in, in, in relation to the gospel, we typically sharpen each other, have great conversations about um, the Word of God. Uh, we have, however, discovered along the way, we have very, very different personalities, and we go about problem solving, especially, in very different ways. Um, those different approaches at times have been good, and they've led to really good results, But there have been times that they have led to some pretty big disagreements over the years. As our church has grown and our responsibilities have increased, it seems to me, so has our separation in views of opinion. Some have heard uh, bits and pieces of this story as we have been in a process for the last month trying to figure out exactly what's going on and where we are. And I'm I'm sorry that you, you heard bits and pieces, I would encourage you, it is a really big story um, and, and it's been hard for us to even understand. The reason that we haven't come to you sooner is that we've been walking through a process and, and with our deacons. I'm, I'm looking around the room, I see many of them here and, uh, and it hasn't been easy. It hasn't been easy. Um, I think it's important to reiterate some of the things that we learned from the life of Paul and Barnabas. I want to say them. We do not believe this to be a sin issue. It's not what we're here to point out. We um, don't believe that this is an issue uh, or a matter of unforgiveness. This shouldn't be a matter of assigning blame. Uh, According to the Word of God, this stuff happens in life, even to the best of God's men. And the two of us have never claimed to be that, (laughs) ever. Never claimed to be some of the best of God's men. And finally, I would tell you, though, it is hard to believe it. I do believe with all my heart that God is working in it. And he has a plan with it. And uh, that he is going to use this for good. Now, that doesn't mean that it doesn't hurt. Just say that. That doesn't mean that it doesn't hurt. Uh, This has been extremely difficult on both of us. It's been extremely difficult on our families. It's been extremely difficult on our deacon body. As Bo Godfrey said uh, this week in a meeting, and I, I called him uh, yesterday, I said, Bo, can I have your permission to share what you said? It just really spoke to my heart. He said, uh, I love both of these men, and now I have to love them in different places. And that's hard. Okay, that's hard. We just, we just want to wanna honor that. We want to just say, yeah, that, that's hard. We can't, you can't scoot around that. But our our deacon body believes based on a mutual agreement um, with the pastors that this is really a Paul and Barnabas issue and that separating is in the best interest of the church. The deacons agreed Monday night um, in a meeting um, that neither of us were in that June 3rd, that's just two Sundays from now, will be Alan's last Sunday to lead us in worship. Uh, Our hope is that as you try to process this over the next couple weeks that you'll be drawn back to God's word that you'll be drawn down to your knees, that you will be praying. Uh, and we wanted to give you some things that you could pray for. Okay? One, you could pray for us. <laughs> um, it's been difficult. It's been hard. It's hard for two brothers that love each other to try to walk through and try to figure out what this looks like. And so you pray for us. Um, you could pray for our families. You can imagine what that's like. And uh, pray for our wives and our kids as we've had conversations with them that, you know, we never thought we would have. It's not fun. Uh, but they're, they're conversations, and we've had those conversations. We pray for them. You pray for our kids. And by the way, I, as I say pray for our kids, would you please guard your mouths? We've got some people in our church that were, grew up as pastor's kids, and unless you have been there, man, you have no idea made very sure with my children that I haven't shared any details that would shed any kind of negative light on anybody just said hey baby this is where we are and uh, it's a hard place and if you have any questions come t- talk to daddy okay and uh, and so so i, I just i want to encourage you uh, I, I want you to pray for our church It's you guys our church isn't a building it's never been a building it's not about a location churches are people and it's hard it's hard to so pray for our people right and i want you to pray for our community Because here's the deal, I I will promise you this. This community, this church has a history and the history of the church hasn't always been awesome. Has some ups and downs, right? This community has looked at this church for the last eight years and how we have handled things differently. And they're gonna look at how we handle this too. And so I just, I I want you to pray, as you pray for yourself, pray about the community and how the community is watching and how the community responds. Now, you may be here this morning and you're not a member and you think, what on earth did I just step into I get that. But here's what I might say to you. If you stepped into a church that's willing to deal with this really difficult place, then you also stepped into a church that's willing to deal with you when you're in a really difficult place. That's what we believe. That's hard. That's love. That's what we believe. Okay? Um, Brian Shaw, right here. Brian, would you raise your hand? Chairman of our deacons has made himself available Will be here today. And uh, at the end of the service, you may have some questions. Now, I'm going to be honest, you're probably not going to get any details because that's, that's not edifying. <laughs> it's not edifying. We like to take details and pick them apart and figure out, you know, I mean, that becomes part of that, that, that deal. But Brian is, will tell you about the process. He'll, he'll answer as much as he can, as much as the Lord, you know, allows him to do. He'll, he'll, he'll answer any questions you can openly and honestly. And he'll, he said he might make himself available here over the next couple of weeks. And so we want to ask you uh, to join us in prayer. In fact, we're going to ask you to do that right now, if you don't mind. And so where you are, would you just bow your heads and um, bow your hearts before the Lord and join us in a word of prayer as we give God thanks for being a God that is not just God in easy places. Father, I'm thankful for you. I'm grateful for your word. And uh, I've always believed that every word in the Bible was every word that we ever needed. And you didn't put anything in that we didn't need and you didn't leave anything out that we did need. And you and your sovereignty included this really difficult passage. I bet a lot of people through the years have walked through that and read that and they thought, what on earth does that have to do with me? And maybe today we find out. But God, we thank you for your sovereignty in it. We thank you for how you're working. We believe... um, in you, and we believe in your good. Father, I want to pray for uh, everybody involved, for all of our people. Father, I pray that you would work it for good. For all, all of our deacons and their wives who have been bearing this um, burden for the last month, I pray that you would use it for good. God, for my brother Alan, whom my love, Lord, I pray that you would bless him, and that you use it for good. God, for myself, you would grow me, and that you would use it for good. Lord, we do love you. We do honor you in all that we are and all that we have. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.